Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Dietri Rodman-Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Wow, that sounded way too mellow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the song inside. <laughs> um, I've had a lot of coffee, so I shouldn't sound that mellow. Um, I'm here today with Django Haskins. Hello, Django. Hey, good to see yeah, you. You sound very mellow, too. Oh, I'm very mellow. I've got a cold. That's how I stay oh, mellow. Your voice has a radio vo- quality to it. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Early morning or late night. So I'm seeing it looks like you're outside, but you're not outside. Is that your actual a, backdrop or a fake backdrop? No, this is real. I'm in a, I'm in what was uh, formerly a shed, uh, like just a little tool shed mm-hmm. that I converted into a, a little uh, workspace. It, an actual woodshed. So when they say I'm you, actually need to, you need to shed. I'm shedding as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. But I'm not shedding my jacket because yeah. it's really cold. Where yeah. are you? Ups- where are you? We're in the mountains of North Carolina. Okay. Maybe a little cabin up here. I feel like one, well, I'll speak for myself. I always think of North Carolina as being very warm and I see snow or something. It's all relative. Yeah, there's, it was snowing yesterday uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a happy medium. Um, you know, it's got four seasons, but it's not, you know, you don't get to the, where the snow is, uh, is just gray and, uh, you know, black snow for months and months and months. Like you do in New York. <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. It's always pure white in New York from what I remember. Uh, it's so funny because it that first part of winter, my kids are always so excited. And then it was super nice for a couple of days, but it was that fake nice where you're like, you know this isn't going to last. My friend calls it third winter. Right. like The second winter is the worst, but the third – and then you have this fake warm and then you enter third winter, which is almost spring. Brutal. But yeah, but it's really disgusting. Yeah, it's horrible. But you got out early. You were one of the first um, New York expats to go to North Carolina, as I recall. Yeah, it was 20 years ago. Oh, my God. 20. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We're crazy. not old or anything. No, I'm only 21, <laughs> so I was just a <laughs> You were a baby when you <laughs> – And you have – how old are your kids now? Uh, well, my daughter's about to turn four and my son is seven and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I rem- sorry, my cat's making a lot of noise. I remember seeing pictures of your daughter when she was super little and she had the roundest head. This so like round. Perfectly yeah. round melon head. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. We pride ourselves on our melon heads around here. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been up to in the last 20 years? Uh, well, (laughs) um, so, you know, in, in a nutshell, and when I moved to North Carolina, um, I, uh, started, I, I got in a band, uh, pretty much right away with some people, um, uh, and the band was called International Orange. It was one of the, this guy, Robert Sledge, uh, who's in Ben Folds Five, which is, you know, Ben Folds Five was one of the bands that I was aware of from that part of North Carolina. So it was kind of fun, um, 
to uh, to kind of get to know him and and uh, and we did a lot of touring for a little while. And then I formed my own band called The Old Ceremony, which is still around. Uh, I was going to ask about that because that's yeah. really impressive length It's of been time. like 17 years. How do you do um, it? Well, we, you know, we, it, we had uh, – we were – doing it pretty intensely for the first, you know, 15 or 12 or something, you know, um, and then we all started having kids and things like that. And, uh, so touring really slowed down. Um, and you know, now because of the pandemic, of course, everything's kind of, uh, in a weird spot, but we've got some gigs booked. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see, we're, we're kind of looking at the reemergence, um, after the pandemic as a chance to, you know, to just kind of decide how we want it to be musically. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had such, we had such momentum for a really long time. Uh, and now we really have none. <laughs> We're literally the momentum is to stay still. So um, I've written uh, just an absolute mountain of songs. So we have to figure out which ones we're going to do. Um, and you were the main writer for that group, right? I am. Yeah. 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 yeah like- so that's great. I like how you called it the reemergence. I'm going to start calling it that because I've been wondering what to call this new era. Yeah. It's not, yeah. not the third winter. It's the reemergence, yeah. which I hope yeah. is finally going to be happening. I hope so too. But I've always yeah. been envious that you've been so – you to me were always a really prolific person. And you're one of the few people I've had on the show that actually wrote a lot during the pandemic Mm-hmm. So how did you, is it the kind of thing where you just have to do it kind of like I journal, I just do it because I do it or do you have well, goals for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really simple. So, you know, I, I used to be very prolific when, when we lived in New York together. Uh, I, I wrote a lot um, and I lived with other writers like my friend Chris Moore uh, and I would write every day uh, at, in our apartments and then, you know, play it for each other. Um and then, you know, uh, continued to be pretty prolific for a while. But then uh, once I had kids, I started slowing down quite a bit in terms of writing uh, for a while. And uh, what happened is, um, what happened um, is... <laughs> what had happened was... <laughs> the, um, you know, when the pandemic started, there were uh, some friends uh, who, many of whom, uh, some of whom will still live in New York, but mostly are expats, uh, all spread around the country, started a uh, Zoom group, which sounds just absolutely deadly, but it's actually <laughs> great of songwriters, um, all people who had gone to, um, there was a meeting in New York for decades, uh, Jack Hardy. Uh, oh, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he had a meeting down in his apartment in the village, in the West Village, uh, you know, classic uh, New York village apartment with like a bathtub in the in the kitchen. And, uh, and you know, and he had this songwriting meeting it was weekly. I think it was Monday nights. And uh, we all at different times, my friend Pete Gallup, our friend Pete Gallup, uh, actually introduced me to it. Um, and and people would come and you had to have a song every week. Uh, and you'd bring your lyrics printed out. And um, uh, Richard Julian was part of it. Um, uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, I don't know if you remember Bob Hillman. Um, and, you know, there were lots, just lots of people that uh, Alan Andrews, the late, great. Alan Andrews. Um, so anyway, I, would, I, would, I went to that for a little while. Um, it was a little folkier than my usual mm-hmm. thing at that point, but uh, but it was really interesting to get just kind of that immediate feedback. So what happened was uh, Bob, who now lives in San Francisco, um, who is a, a you know real major uh, follower of Jack Jack uh, Hardy, 
and this was like a very central thing to his experience in New York, um, started this group essentially to re- recreate the Jack Hardy meetings. Right. And he invited a bunch of people who had gone to it. So it was about, there's a baker's dozen of us, uh, and it includes Byron Isaacs, um, and David Hamburger, if you remember him, uh, from the old days, he's lives in Austin and he's an old friend. Um, and you know, and we, uh, meet every Monday, every Monday night and everyone has to have a song. It's the same thing. Exactly. Um, and there's no, uh, you're not allowed any preambles. <laughs> you just have to play your song. Right. So no, you know, there's always those qualifiers like, well, I don't know. I just, it's like yeah. none of that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that rule. Yeah. So Jack, this was Jack's rule. Jack was a very ornery old, uh, you know, folk city, dirty folk city kind of guy. And he would always say, just shut up and play your song. Um, and so that's what we did. Oh, and our, our friend Jill, Jim Allen, who is one of the few New Yorkers still, uh, is also part of it now. But anyway, so I just have a deadline every week and I have to come up with song, uh, every, every week. And so by Tuesday or Wednesday, I start getting that feeling in my stomach, like, Oh God, what am I going to do this week? for my song and I start looking around and, you know, try to get a foothold uh, in one way or another, whether it's lyrical or musical. And then, you know, once I have enough where I feel like, okay, I can, I can do this then I can relax and like, you know, really work on it on the weekend. But, um, and I've done it, you know, and we've all done it uh, every week and we get feedback and, you know, you start, I've written 83 songs for this group. My gosh. Um, and everyone else has too. And yeah. so I've, I've heard thousands literally of their songs. Wow. And so I have their, and I've gotten feedback and heard feedback for other people's songs. So I've got these, you know, 12 other writers who I all, I respect them all so much. They're wonderful writers and all very different. And so I've got their kind of their voices in my head kind of helping me as I write something and I go, oh, is this, you know, and I think, oh, well, Louise is going to think this is kind of bullshit, you know, yeah. and then like, <laughs> like, like this seems like a little too clever. I think someone's going to call me on that. And so, you know, it kind of keeps, uh, keeps me like bouncing on more or less on the road. Um, and, you know, and sometimes I do things just to kind of just, just be for the reaction of the right. group. You know, like when you write 80 some songs in a, in a year and a half or whatever, it's, you're going to write some just dumb songs and that's fine. And, and, you know, sometimes there's a, like I've written songs in the style of other people in the group or, (laughs) uh, or, you know, about other people in the group. I've written one about Tim Robinson called the adventures of Tim, where like he kind of becomes this historical character in all these crucial scenes of American history. (laughs) Um, It's like, there's a verse about uh, you can't see it in the painting, but that's him. Uh, on the Potomac with an oar, um, you know, um, stuff like that. Or like, you know, washing up onto the shore of the Bay of Pigs, you know, in a rowboat um, and a guitar. How did he um, respond to that? He, you know, he's a very stoic guy, so he didn't really, he didn't really respond much. But he I, nod I and smile. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he was like, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you have fun with it. And it's, that has been my savior for this whole time. That's really an, an incredible opportunity to have the same group of people. And then everybody's committed and showing up because I've been in groups before where it kind of falls off or one person leaves and another one comes in. And and that's that's cool. I mean, it's good to have just to have. But when you have a group that's so committed like that, then you want yeah. to show up and you want yeah. to do it. That's really amazing. I remember Byron telling me about that group, but I didn't realize it was the same group that you were in. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Byron is it's it's been great because a few of the people are really good friends, like Byron and yeah. David Hamburger and people whom I've known for decades. And then other people I've just gotten to know literally on Zoom. I've never met them in person, but they're yeah. some of my close friends at this point, you know. Well, I think it's, I ins- it's inspiring too, just because people that might be listening who maybe live somewhere where there's not a huge pool of people, you can find right. always find one or two people to start. And just meet on Zoom and do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a woman Hope Dunbar who's who lives in Nebraska, and she's doing it. And there's yeah. uh, Lib- this one Libby who lives in Vermont, and you know Louise lives in Colorado. I mean, you know, we're really spread yeah. out. Right. Going back to the song you wrote about your friend, I was going to mention earlier that one thing I love about a lot of your songs is that I can always visualize the stories behind them, and they might not be the stories that you intend, but just uh-huh. the imagery is there. And in fact, I was listening to a song this morning and I was like kind of annoyed because I was multitasking and then I had to stop multitasking because I was like, I need to <laughs> listen to this story. Um, <laughs> annoyed in a good way because uh-huh. the song was really good. And I wanted to play a super old song of yours. Okay. That was one of the first songs I listened to when I became friends with you. Um, just because it it's has these really evocative images of being on the road. It's State Road Valentine from like 2003. (laughs) So we're going to listen to this song and then we are going to discuss. All right. Late night DJ stutters on the microphone Road signs stand like monuments to home haven't seen another car for miles Writing you this state road valentine Shift stick grease pan over easy smoke machine I only get to stand still in my dreams Gotta haul this rig to the Seminole County Peanuts in a bag Black cats for the 4th of July Coffee in the carburetor Helps me prop up Writing 
I love that song so much. Thanks. When I was thinking what I want to play on the, on the Django show, and that's just the first song that popped into my head. Cool. Because I remember being on the road a lot with the biddies at that point, and just that line, I see your face in every moon pie, is such a good line. There's <laughs> so many of your lines, I'm always like, why didn't I write that? Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That was Byron on bass. Of course. I knew it was because he has such yeah. a unique sound. Yeah. That has to be Byron. Yeah. So how are you able to capture these stories of these people who you sort of insert yourself into their lives? It could be a criminal who's going on the lam or, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or an American Romeo. I mean, maybe you know right. that from just personal experience. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I really, you know, I think if you, if you write songs long enough, you kind of, well, for me, I'll just speak for myself. Um, after writing songs for 30 years or so, so far, um, I, you know, I get tired of, of singing just about, just about personal experience. I want to be able to connect emotionally with whatever it is, but, um, you know, it's just too, that's not what I enjoy, um, listening to or hearing or, or, or doing, I, you know, occasionally there's one that's just like pure autobiography, but in general, you know, I, I want to have a broader canvas than that. Um, and to find ways to put myself in their shoes, but not, you know, not, it's not a journal, you know? And so, uh, I think I learned that, uh, you know, I really credit Randy Newman, um, big time for that because, you know, he obviously is famously really, really great at putting himself in, especially kind of unsavory shoes. Um, and I appreciate that because, you know, it really forces it, it, it does that thing that fiction is supposed to do, which is kind of teaches empathy, you know, you, you, you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to write, if Randy Newman's writing Rednecks, and I'm not sure he 100% nailed it on that one, but, <laughs> um, but like, you know, writing a song about someone that you don't like, but, but thinking about like, you know, really trying to see things from their perspective and where they're coming from mm-hmm. and albeit completely flawed uh, to kind of see the humanity in even yeah. the worst seeming kind of people. So, and, you know, I appreciate it. I, I think I get some sort of perverse, Pleasure from like, you know, from imagining being all these kind of uh, unsavory (laughs) type of uh, characters. I was just thinking that it's really fun to be able to, because we all have that side of us, but we don't play with it a lot. Because my daughter, she, um, we have three cats in our family and one of them just sits in here with me, but the other two she's made voices for and personalities for. (laughs) And one of them is kind of this really dopey, nice, nice cat. Like, hi, nice to meet you this morning again. Hello. And the other one, his name is Judy. And so Clover allows herself through Judy to just be a bitch, to just be like, uh-huh. right. you're such a stupid idiot. You know? And, yeah. And we I, all need a bitch cat. We all need a bitch cat. We Or, or yeah. to, you know, ha- have an outlet for these kinds of Absolutely. Yeah, sides of totally. our personalities. And, you know, at one point, Ben was like, Judy, you know, you, you're being a bully. And I was like, Judy's allowed to be whatever she wants to be yeah. because she's a cat. And she, like then Clover won't actually do it, you know, when she's not the cat. So right. I feel like we we all need to be to be Judy. And so you're able to be these unsavory characters. So how do you go about choosing who to write about? Or are you just sitting and it kind of comes to you? Well, lately, you know, having uh, completely um, – used every bit of personal experience I could possibly have being at home for two years and writing a song a week. 
Um, a lot of the time I've been starting with music lately. Um, I've actually been writing a lot on piano. Uh, I've, I've had a, a love affair with Satie, uh, over the last year or two. Um, and just, and, and Chopin, but, uh, Satie is a little simpler, so it's easier for me to understand. Um, but, you know, he's got that kind of like almost like monk, like Thelonious Monk kind of vibe where it's like, ooh, that's a little off, but I like it, um, which is always something I've appreciated because monk is also one of my favorites. So, uh, you know, I'll start often if I'm on piano, especially I'll start with music and then try to find a story that fits that music. Uh, and sometimes that means literally finding a story, like going through the New York Times, mm. like back sections and just oh, kind of that. weird weird stories i've i've gotten i've written probably i don't know four or five six songs from the uh, obituaries um you know because all yeah. they are is life yeah. stories right so i wrote exactly. one about um uh about uh lindbergh's son uh not the one who was kidnapped and killed but the one who lived who became a, a deep sea diver uh which is you know Immediately, I was like, oh, my God, because, right, Lindbergh goes up in the sky and the sun to get as far away as possible goes down under the ocean. But it's kind of the same thing. It's like this beautiful poetic parallel. It's called Man in Sea. Um, I wrote one about Valerie Solanus, uh, who shot Andy Warhol. Oh. Um, And uh, her story is is wild. Um, I uh, let's see. Had another one. Have you ever thought about doing like a little picture book with an accompanying set of songs? I, biographies. I hadn't, I hadn't uh, but please, I, you please know. do that. That'd be cool. Okay. Cause yeah. all these stories are so interesting and to have a song accompanying them would be yeah. really awesome. I'm That's always it. wanting to know more about the characters you write about. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I want to just imagine what they are, but other times yeah. I want to know what's who is this a real person? <laughs> like what's going yeah. on here? Well, on the, on the new, the, the new record, which, you know, I did before the pandemic, but, um, it's split into two parts. And in this first part, there's a song uh, in the voice of Walt Disney uh, called Tomorrowland. And, uh, and you know, he's pretty unsavory. Like when you, when you read a lot, I've, I read a bunch of biographies of him uh, as part of the kind of research project I was doing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, I, like, I like dissonance musically mm-hmm. and I like dissonance in terms of narrative. Uh, so I really appreciated you know, I appreciate the way that what he presents is this, like the epi- like literally the epitome of like kind of perfect kindness and joy and everything. And of course, he's not like that. You know, of course, he's not. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's an asshole. I would be so, shocked like, if he was actually like that. Yeah, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Like there, you know, so it's there somewhere. But for him, it's actually very easy to find if you read about him. So um, there's that. Um, on the second EP, which is going to come out in a couple months, um, there's a song about Robert Moses in his voice called I pull the strings mm. um, who I, I, you know, I find Robert Moses really fascinating because I actually got through the power broker. Uh, but um, you know, so j- just these kind of characters who are self deluded. I, I like that. I, I relate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like presenting them in their own perspective and allowing listeners to kind of come to their own conclusions about that yeah and sometimes it's misunderstood i'm sure but right well but not on like a biographer or a filmmaker or you know it's like you present the story that you are seeing in you know the narrative and people can interpret that however they want really right (laughs) so speaking of your new ep you're doing it in two parts so is the first part out yet yeah well no the first part is out on um february 28th 
Ooh, I'm writing that down. It's called Before Times One. And guess what the other one's called? After Times or Before Times Two? Before Times Two. <laughs> we haven't gotten to the After Times. It's so true. <laughs> the reemergence. That's what that would be. That's right. The one I was just going to say, the one after, the first one I put out after this is all hopefully over is going to be called Landfall, I think. I thought you were going to say Landfill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may go straight into the Landfill, but it's going to be called Landfall. <laughs> ah. I like that image of landfall. Mm-hmm. We have all been underwater, I feel like. We've been at sea ways. for years. We've yeah. been at sea for years. It was so strange. Today, I w- I've been going to this coffee shop pretty much every day. It closed for a while during the pandemic, and that was really hard for me because I need a space that's not my house to go yeah. to. Sure. It's been open for a long time now, but I have still been wearing my mask indoors because they're supposed to check back status, but I don't know if they always do. And the right. door is sometimes open. And today is the first day I just, my mask was so disgusting not to get TMI, but it's really uh-huh. cold out. And so your mask gets really humid and all that. Sure. And I thought, I'm just going to eat this croissant without this on because no one else in here has it on. And they're all like cool people. I yeah. Think they're probably all vaccinated. But it was really kind of terrifying. And I asked my yeah. girls yesterday, somebody had asked me about them. They said, are your kids going to be have PTSD when all this is over from not right. wearing a mask, like <laughs> when they don't have to wear a mask to school. I was like, N- I don't think so. And I asked them and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't want to not wear one. That's going to be so weird. Wow. Anyway, it just made me think we've really been doing this a long Such time. Such a long time. We've yeah. been at sea for a long time. That was a very long-winded way of saying I really like landfall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I went way off on a tangent, but – um I want to play this song, Cutting Onions, from this. Yeah. Um, it made me happy, sad, this song. Tell me a little bit yeah. about it. Well, it's actually the, yeah, it's the one I think probably on this one that I am the most kind of emotionally uh, affected by. You know, it's a song for my son. Uh, and it's, uh, well, you know, it's a, I don't, I don't like a lot of like, saying what a song is about before you hear it. But, yeah. but basically it's about, it's a letter to him okay. to say, uh, to basically apologize for not being able to kind of protect him from the, the messages that he gets and yeah. is getting and will get about being a person and being a, uh, a boy and a man. And, yeah. uh, and also just to kind of ad- admit just how much that, even though I feel like I'm liberated from that, of course, I've internalized so much. How could we not? Here's Cutting Onions.
down I wish that I could just change the channel when all those old shows try to make you just like them like a beautiful song Django thank you I really like how you end it on a bit of a, a pensive you don't just go right to the one and resolve <laughs> yeah which you know yeah. the way you re- the way you end it feels truer to me yeah there's no real resolution of that is there unfortunately not it's also really nice for me to hear a song um from a father to a son, just because I don't have sons. I have two daughters and I think about that all the time. And I think both are <laughs> equally challenging for some of yes. the same and, and different reasons. And it's really interesting. I just joined this parenting support group and the assignment for the week was to observe how society wants our children to be, you know, how, <laughs> what they're watching. And even in these, you know, later twenties, like how gender roles are shown to our kids. Yeah. And I think it's, it would be hard to, to raise a boy where you're supposed to be respectful to women, but also totally masculine. And right. It's such a, it's like impossible. Raising kids is impossible. What we're doing. It is so, so hard. (laughs) (laughs) And yet here we are. (laughs) Yep. 
So I'm I'm glad that you got really personal with that one. Thanks. So when does the next part of the EP come out, the second half? It's going to be the end of April, I believe. I haven't set the date yet, but it's going to be something like that. Do you where, do you have a label? How do you do it? Uh, I'm just I'm just doing these on my own mm-hmm. uh, on my own label, essentially. Yeah, and it's all digital. Not you know, I'm not making cassettes or CDs. Or, <laughs> cassettes. Well. I wonder if those will come back. They have. Really? They have. Yeah, yeah. It's a hit. It's a. It's like a hip thing to make cassettes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. looking. Um, I think I want to buy myself a like an old school boombox. <laughs> uh huh. Because I was doing this deep clean, and I found all these old mixtapes. Oh, like, cool! I yeah. want to listen to these, but of course, it's there's no strong... way to listen anymore. Right. Well, I'll, you know, it's probably hard to find because of that. I'll, I'll bet that you know those are getting kind of snapped up. You know. Well, they're making um, them now. They're making new ones where you can actually convert tapes to mp3s and things oh okay but cool. they're not cheap the one that i wanted was 90 bucks i was like really yeah i feel like my old school you know boombox was pro- probably 20 bucks <laughs> i don't know uh-huh. right but this one's also kind of fancy so i'm thinking yeah. birthday present maybe i don't know yeah. <laughs> so i also picked a song to play from the old ceremony great because i feel like the last time i saw you maybe you were with the old ceremony playing yeah somewhere i also one of my most vivid memories of being at a show was seeing you at fez oh cool I really a uh, really long time ago and yeah, that place was so intimate but i remember just watching you and thinking this guy is a rock star because you really had the audience kind of in the palm of your hand and you were doing a call and response thing it felt very natural because when i talk to you now you're kind of this unassuming person you know, i've been broken cool. by fatherhood <laughs> <laughs> But I find that you're one of those people that when you get on stage, just somehow you're a rock star. You have a no, gift. Well, thank you're you. welcome. I, I like being on stage from what I remember. I was going to say, you must miss it a lot. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a few outdoor shows in the last couple of years, but that's it. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. So this song, I felt kind of weird picking because I was kind of having a blue morning and this song... <laughs> lifted me up and I was like, I wonder what Django would say. So it's till your voice is gone. Oh, cool. Yeah. Until my voice is gone. Yeah. I tell, sorry. Till my voice is gone. Well, yours too. Well, <laughs> you know, what's nice is I usually get laryngitis every year, but because I've been masking, my voice hasn't been gone. <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, but I feel like all the time as artists, I'm worrying that my voice is gone or that maybe oh, it yeah. should be gone or it's not loud enough or maybe it's too loud. Right. You know, so yeah. how did this song come to be? This is um, this is definitely one of the kind of long running old ceremony songs, uh, and it, it's um, you know, I think every once in a while I'll write a song uh of kind of artistic intent or statement uh, you know, just to kind of remind myself that I'm doing this and that I'm going to keep doing it, uh, and this was definitely one of those where it's just like, man. This is so hard. I've been at this for so long without really any, like, you know, and uh, well, it's not true, but it, without achieving some, a lot of the things that I thought I wanted to at first. Um, and, uh, you know, but I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, and, and then, and I think it was um, kind of general or universal enough that, that people, that other people, it seems have kind of uh, taken it for their own, um, you know, in their own lives and, 
Um, and so, yeah, so it's been really, uh, um, a great song for people, for, for people, uh, kind of reaching out to us and saying this song kind of helped me with, you know, this period of my life. I think it's a good anthem and it's a good anthem for the, both the before times at the time we're in and the landfall times. (laughs) Yeah. Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance. Eternal. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's good for any, any artist, any day. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm hoping people will stop whatever they're doing for just like three minutes and listen to this song. All right. Hard times they come a mile a minute, one after another. Wave after wave of storm clouds threatening the shore. But I won't go for help or run away from what I have been given. Cause nobody ever knows just what the future has in store. And I will stand up on the seawall, yeah, where the wind is blowing strong. And I will push this rock to the top of every hill that comes along. And I will take the stand and raise my hand and offer up this song. And I will sing my tune until my voice is gone. in his pocket and looked down above his glasses with pity in his eyes he said you don't have much time I'm sorry to be the one to tell you I said well I'm not the only one and I thanked him for his time Oh, but I won't go for help, won't run away from what I have been 
future has in store And I will stand up high on the seawall, yeah Where the wind is blowing strong And I will push this rock to the top Sing my tune until I just want that chorus to go on for 55 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> wow, it made me think about anthems. I think everyone should have an anthem. Yeah. Yeah, I think an anthem has its place for sure. When you need to get pumped up. Yes, for sure. That's a good yeah. pumped up song. That's a roll the windows down. It's summer. Let's go. We're driving to a festival. I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah kind of right. a song yeah um so i guess i was thinking maybe i'll start issuing little songwriting challenges so that's mine for today write an anthem write an anthem write okay. an anthem great idea in your songwriting group do you have specific challenges or is it just come with the song usually not yeah uh usually not sometimes occasionally there'll be one the actually the, the most fun one was uh, around Christmas, we had the idea of, of doing kind of a, a song, Secret Santa, where people were secretly assigned to one of the other people oh. and you had to write a song in their style. And then we had to kind of guess who was doing what. It was super fun. That's so uh, cool. It was so much fun because we've heard you know hundreds of each yeah. other's songs. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't just kind of like a uh, an impression of them. It had to like really, and, and I, oh, I, I just had so much fun with that. It was great. We all did. And that's probably the kind of thing you can do better if you really know the person's style. Yeah. You really have to know like what they would do in every situation kind yeah. of thing, you know? Wow. Um, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine how, what that must've been like just listening to everybody else's songs and guessing. Mm -hmm. and it also yeah. just shows like a real love and respect for the other person. To be Absolutely. To that's that. yeah. That's definitely what's carried this whole thing through. Yes. So when are you coming to New York to play? I don't know. I'm dying to. Um, uh, so I don't know. Um, I don't have anything booked right now in New York, out, out of town, really. But uh, yeah. I think, you know, I'm hoping maybe towards the end of the summer, maybe August, uh, I might be able to put something together. I'm, oh, I am nice. really dying to. I miss New York like crazy. Well, we miss you. Oh, and one of these days I'll come back to North Carolina. It's been so hey, long. Anytime. I keep saying yeah. that. It's like every year. Eventually just, everyone's going to move there. So, you know. Yeah, I know. It's really true. Yeah. Just every year things get filled up with, well, they, they used to, and they, I assume they will again get filled up with family trips and whatnot. But yeah. one of these days we will see each other again. That'll be great. That will be really great. And maybe even write together. Who knows? Anything's possible. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, so I want to ask four questions that we're, you're just not going to think too much about. 
Okay. Four questions. Okay. A songwriter that's currently inspiring you or artist. Um, let's see. Songwriter that's currently inspiring me. Um, there's a there's a guy, a kind of recent one named Kevin Morby, uh, who's out of Kansas City, uh, who I find really interesting. Um, he just did a record um, called Sundowner. Um, with uh, a friend of mine, Brad, Brad Cook produced. And it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, I kind of describe it as like they left the ghost in it, you know, like mm. it's just got this kind of, there's some magic and it's hard to kind of pin down. Um, the lyrics aren't complicated in any way. And the, you know, it's, it, but it's, but there's something, there's some kind of ineffable thing that's really, uh, that really grabs me about his stuff. Um, and Eric Satie, I mean, I've been really, really into him and, and you know, um, just this kind of, uh, the, this kind of combination of this ethereal, uh, impressionistic kind of bed, but then this almost kind of cheeky and off kilter, like view of life through the melody. Um, but it's still like, you know, it, it's humble enough. Like it's not it's not, it's not like Mozart or something, you know, it's like, it's not showing off. It's just right. kind of, uh, it's really just kind of dig like sinking down into what happens between these notes. And, um, so that's been really inspiring me. Uh, and then there's this one song, uh, it's not even really the whole art. Cause I haven't found many other songs by her that I, that speak to me in this way, but Joan Armitrading, um, uh, called won't you come, won't you come on home? Mm. Um, and again, it's one of those things where the recording, the performance is so moving and just flawed in that kind of like, uh, um, uh, what's her name? Karen, um, Karen Dalton kind of way, you know, like that kind of like, is she going to make it, you know, kind of way. (laughs) Um, and I love that. I, I, you know, I think as a, writer and performer, I'm aware that one of my challenges is to not allow proficiency to get in the way Mm. of, you know, being really, um, authentic and that could be lyrical or musical. Um, but I, so I'm really drawn to things that kind of have that, um, hard to define, but really just moving quality to them. And it can sound like different things, but when I hear it, I know it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been what I've been into. Okay. So along with sort of the same lines, a concert you've seen that made an impact on you that you recall. Well, you know, if I, you know, if, if my, hopefully my deathbed is going to be a while from now, but if on my deathbed, if I had to pick a concert, it would definitely be the, uh, I saw Leonard Cohen and, um, this was the first time he kind of came out on tour after, uh, you know, losing all his money and, and everything. And uh, I saw him in Durham and I, I called the minute they went on sale and was just like, give me your finest seat. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's and, the way uh, so to was, do it. Right. Especially now looking, we know, like that's the way yeah. to always do it. Yeah. So I was like in the third row, you know, and, um, and it was really quiet. It was a very quiet band. Um, but just astounding. Uh, and I'm, you know, huge Leonard Cohen fan. I named my band after uh, one of his albums. Um, but just 
his relationship to his songs and his relationship to music, you know, in his old age, uh, I found incredibly inspiring. Mm. <sighs> so that made me really, for some reason, that made me really thoughtful. <laughs> now I'm thinking about being in the third row of that show. Oh, wow. Just, so, there was there was one I remember during Famous Blue Raincoat. I mean, I started sweating like profusely, like because it was just so intense yeah. the you know, story, and I just, um, yeah, yeah. And he has my favorite. I'll say, you know, for your song songwriting fans, my favorite stanza probably in the world is from him uh, from Democracy. Um, the Leonard Cohen song, uh, which is, um, I'm stubborn as these garbage bags that time cannot decay. I'm junk, but I'm still holding up this little wild bouquet. Democracy is coming to the USA. <laughs> it's just so oh. perfect. Um, oh, like why? It's, it's so hard to keep writing after that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, well, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So sort of along the same lines, a bucket list person you would love to work with. You know, I had this kind of vague dream of being like the next generation Wilbury for a long time. I was like, you know, when they're ready to take someone else on, I'll be ready. Uh, but now that George and uh, Roy have died and Tom have died, uh, it's really not happening. Um, but, you know, I the thing is, I've been really, really fortunate in the last 10 years in that um, – I've been involved with this thing called Big Stars Third, which is the music of Big Star, drummer from Big Star, bass player from R.E.M., um, and some friends from North Carolina, Mitch Easter and, and Chris Stamey, who are both really amazing producers and writers and performers. And uh, through that, for the last 10 years, I've been in situations where I get to perform with people who I've always admired. So I've gotten to play with all of REM, all of Wilco, uh, you know, a re replacement, uh, you know, uh, Ray Davies from the kinks, you know, Sharon Van Etten, like just like really wonderful, uh, Robin Hitchcock, you know, wonderful people who I have admired for a long time. And my definition earlier, I was saying, you know, talking about how, uh, when you, when I think, of how I haven't reached these goals that I thought I needed. My goals really changed at some point to become my definition of success would, would be to be treated as a peer by the artists that I admire. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, uh, this has been, you know, really fulfilling uh, for me because these are a lot of, this is the music of my, my life. Right. Um, and I've gotten to, be close with a lot of them. Ira and Georgia from Yolo Tango and are just beautiful people. And um, so, you know, that has been, uh, I, I have gotten to do that. And in fact, um, I became very good friends and partner with uh, Gary Loris, who is the leader of the Jayhawks uh, through that show um, 10 years ago or so. Um, and we formed a duo and made a record uh, under the name Au Pair, and did some touring. We opened for Wilco. We did, you know, some really neat stuff. Um, and, you know, so that has been great in terms of just being able to sing with someone yeah. who's such a wonderful singer and harmonizing, uh, you know, kind of partner. So really there aren't that many. I mean, I, I would love to work with, uh, 
Yeah, I'd love to work with Tom Waits, you know, mm-hmm. or Randy Newman, or like you know, the kind of the the big ones of my yeah, Joni Mitchell if she's around uh, to you know ready ready for me to come in. Um, but uh, in general, I feel very uh, lucky and 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 grateful about that that kind of thing. Um, what I'd really like is just to be able to continue to do it. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Okay, finally, a piece of advice for young songwriters, which we've given some during the show, but. Sure. Uh, I think one big thing that I, you know, I, I don't know if it would have changed how things went for me or my experience. There, I have two um, that I came to later. Um, one is uh, something that really took me a long time to figure out which is focus on lifting others up, Mm. you know, focus on um, finding things that you really love that other people are doing and just, you know, lift, lift them up and um, do what you do. But, you know, I think there's this whole kind of transactional mindset in, at least when I was living in New York, that was kind of, what I felt was around me a lot um, and what I picked up for a long time um, in terms of the music business and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, And I wish that I had, I mean, I did have a community and I love all those people still and you're part of it. And uh, you know, but I, I wish that my focus had been more on that and just not worrying about uh, you know, the kind of more, down the middle career stuff because it just that in the end that's not what it's about um so that's my biggest one and then the other one is just uh i think write as much as you possibly can because you'll write a lot of bad ones and then you'll write some good ones and when you write bad ones you're clearing the way for good ones uh Mm. and don't feel like every song you write has to be the best song you've ever written um give yourself permission to write bad songs um and don't worry about what you're going to do with them. I mean, I haven't. I have a huge pile of songs I have no idea what I'm going to do with. But, I mean, and they're all over the place. There's, like, enough for, like, a jazz record. And there's, like, a weird, like, classical-ish, like, piano record. And, the, you know, folk record and a rock and you've record. you've got your biography picture book record that we talked about. Uh, apparently, yeah. I mean, so don't worry about, like, basically just do what makes you happy and don't worry about it. Because, first of all, there's... Very little chance, <laughs> no offense, but there's very little chance that, that anything kind of like in terms of worldly success is going to happen. So just do what you love. And, you know, if it does happen, then great. But that can't be, that can really intrude on your brain space for creative uh, work, I think. True. And then I think on the flip side, you you never know where a song will end up. Like, right. There might be a song that you totally discount that someone hears and touches them yeah. in some way. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Django, for being on the show today. I feel like I really got a lot of good um, veggies, like meat, meat, potato, and and veggies. Good, good. Also some dessert, but... And some dips, hopefully. (laughs) I've just been watching Only Murders in the Building with... Oh, I love that. Have you seen that? Yep, with Mirabelle. It's all about the dips. 
It is. <laughs> this episode <laughs> brought to you by Demas Chicken Wraps. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay. Anyway, so you can find me at thesonginside.me, and I'm here every Monday. I'm on Facebook Live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern playing whatever I feel like it. And Django, I hope to see you soon in New York or wherever. And Same here. for everyone else, remember that there is a song inside everyone, especially you. <laughs>